bop, 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 bada, bop, 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 bada, da, da. That's uh, that's like elevator music. Yeah, right, right. And it's <laughs> it's um me. I'm rubbing my face up and down, as you can probably hear. You know what is what it is? It's not elevator music anymore since everyone's socially distancing. It's the music that you hear when you're waiting to join in Zoom or <gasps> or WebEx <Ugh>. or. <laughs> Or it's oh like, god, your host yeah. will let you in soon. Yeah, that's do 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 do. <laughs> oh, the times! The times have changed so much. But you know what hasn't changed? Us. <laughs> and, <laughs> us. And movies and TV and streaming content. And it's our criticism here. of it. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot to talk about. And um, that is our cue to announce that Real Snobs has returned. Yeah! Woo! <laughs> Woo! I, yeah. And I... I will have to credit you for doing this, for, you know, awakening the monster, so to speak, because <laughs> I, um, given that if, uh, given that we're in the middle of a pandemic and many of us have been in quarantine, uh, whether exclusively in the house or just away from our normal stomping grounds for several months now, I kind of got into this rut of I don't want to do anything I don't feel like doing anything kind of got into a weird depressive mode like just you know I'll send texts and I will watch whatever I'm watching and then I'll look at TikTok every now and then and I'm fine right but I'm so glad to be back and talking about all the movies and the television and the streaming content that we've been watching Yes. And, you know, I, I understand it because I was the same way. And I think it was when we were um, making decisions on, you know, I guess, finally laying to rest the, the podcast. Yeah. That's when I started getting sentimental and I found myself constantly talking about it and, you know, trying to have conversations with other people that I would normally have with you. Yeah. Before. And I'm like, but I, I you know, I, I maybe we can do this. <laughs> And the, but I was doubtful because obviously movie theaters have been closed for a while. Um, there's not a lot of new movies that are being um, released just because a lot of things were pushed back and pushed back mm -hmm. um, when the pandemic happened. So it became more of a um, a lack of sources to really discuss. Yeah, um, and or even before relevant the, ones. You're right, and even before that too, I kind of fell off in my movie going generally. Um, yeah, two or three years ago, just because Netflix for me was changing everything. I was like, some of these movies yes. are awesome, and I could sit right here, you know, in my home, in my office, wherever, and just look at these movies and feel highly entertained. Um, though I yeah, still definitely. think there's merits to go into a theater. Um, just the whole industry has changed how we how we view movies, how we view shows. Where focus more on binging instead of, you know, individual episodes like network, regular TV. We all are, it's all about what streaming app are you using? Are you using like Netflix? Are you using Hulu? Are you using Apple TV or whatever? And not everyone's all connected. So you will hear buzz about certain shows, but when they're very exclusive on a, cert, um, uh, a certain platform that not everyone has, it's kind of like, well, who is our audience <laughs> yeah exactly well you know what oh, yeah let me let me introduce ourselves hi everybody <laughs> <laughs> hello everyone we are back real snobs has returned for another romping season of sassy chicks discussing flicks you forgot about that didn't you guys yes you did um, <laughs> i'm kalina bowler and i'm here with my lovely lovely friend and fellow snobby Cicely Joy. Hi, honey. Hi. I missed you. I missed you, too. Aww. I'm so glad yes. to be back. We yes, have a lot to talk too. about. 
We do. And we're going to switch things up a little bit for our, for our veteran listeners. Yes. Um, usually, we you know, we have, we're discussing um, either broad topics or uh, doing a review on a particular movie or show. Mm-hmm. But this time, since things are a little different and everyone is, you know, uh, following something that's buzzworthy for the moment until the, the next one is um, some next the next thing comes out. Right. We decided that we are going to instead kind of follow along on whatever is hot. So and you know, we're going to try to have like weekly um, episodes uh, discussing an episode of a show. Yes. And for this first episode, we will kick it off with Lovecraft Country on HBO or HBO Max. Oh my God. This show, I'm very excited about it. I Yes. When I heard about it, um, it was filmed here in Georgia. The majority of it, I'll also say, is filmed here in Georgia. And um, I was hearing about it around the same time that another popular HBO show, Watchmen, was finishing mm. up production here. Um, and people were just, you know, buzzing in the industry, like, okay, this is going to be something that's really worthwhile. Y'all thought Watchmen was good. Wait till this happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many similarities too, yeah, which I love and very relevant to what's been going on in the world today. Right, that it, it brings it back that oh, hmm, yeah, here's a historical viewpoint that not a whole lot of shit has changed, unfortunately. But what I love is how I I gravitate toward shows and stories that give me a little bit of fantasy with my nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and this is checking those boxes for me, this show. Um, I am a huge fan of the cast. I am a fan of the executive producing team on this show. And um, Misha Green, is that her name? Yes. Who She's created the show, right? Am I mistaken on that? Or I... I... I think she's directing. Let me look okay. up like credentials. But I know I all I heard was Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams, and I was hooked because those two together, I'm like phenomenal. I I cannot yeah. wait to see what they will do. Yeah, but and I'm really enjoying a lot of different things. But I'll let you lead this because you are the note taker for this. <laughs> <laughs> she was texting me, guys, like, um. I cannot wait. I just went back and watched XYZ and I've got notes and this is going to be great. And I was just like, man, she is ready. So yes, take it away, Miss Ma'am. Well, first thing you were right. Misha Green is a creator. Um, and I'm, I'm going to start off just for those that may not have watched it. If you haven't watched it, you really shouldn't be listening to this episode yet until you watch it. But just in case you're like one that just wants uh, to understand what the hell we're talking about, pause, watch it, then return to the episode yes. that we're recording. <laughs> I want to read a little blurb, um, hopefully if I still have it, about um, that I found um, online that was just like a good easy synopsis just to get people up to speed on not only the show but the relevance of the show mm. all right so here's the blurb so do y'all know the backstory behind this series it makes it even more enjoyable for me basically in the early 1900s there was a science fiction author named hp lovecraft his novels and poems created the monsters that we see today in a lot of movies and science fiction books He died at 49, poor. It wasn't until later, after his death, that people loved his sci-fi writing, like Stephen King, Guillermo del Toro, etc. They all used his work as inspiration. But he was also incredibly racist. Mm. Wrote a poem called The Creation of a Nigger that said, God created man, then beast, then black people as an in-between species. Eye roll emoji. Oh my God. So fast forward, it's 2016, and a white writer from New York City writes a sci fi novel called Lovecraft Country. That basically deals with the, the characters experiencing the same supernatural monsters that H.P. Lovecraft created, but he writes the main protagonist as African Americans in the Jim Crow era having to deal with the worst monsters racist police officers and propagandists. Mm hmm. 
And sooner or later, HBO and one of the writers of the show Underground decided to make it into a show. Just thought it was so cool and probably has H.P. Lovecraft turning in, in his grave knowing that the modern world turned his story around. I and love it has that. a little upside down happy face and black fist emoji. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the, so, what, yeah. You're talking about a blurb. That's a blurb for you. Yeah, so... I, I tried to explain this to my sister who um, she watched the first episode not knowing anything about the show, not knowing that it was sci-fi, not knowing anything. And she was like, what the hell did I just watch? Right. And I'm like, okay, let's back up. Here is who H.P. Lovecraft is. And this is why this show or the book is so phenomenal because it's basically a big slap in his face. He's right. using his tropes and all of that kind of against him. But at the same time, also, um, I hate to say celebrating him, but it is celebrating. It's like an homage. I guess, yeah, it's mm-hmm. celebrating his contribution also to the sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that should be a good backstory on what we're about to dive in. So we're going to start off with episode one titled Sundown. Sundown. Mm. So this episode, it opens up with the main um, star, whose name's Atticus, or is it Atticus? They call him Tick. Tick, yeah. Yeah, they call him Tick. Um, and he's uh, dreaming of uh, war. He was a, um, he's a veteran. He was a soldier. And he's dreaming of war, being on the battlefield. But it's, um, instead of a war against um, Viet- in Vietnam or, or whoever the enemy is, it's actually featuring a whole lot of aliens and monsters. You have the alien that looks like it was from War um, World, War of Worlds? War, War of, of the Worlds. Worlds. Yeah. Um, you have um, some classic H.P. Lovecraft monsters like Cthulhu and also this Red Princess that comes from the John Carter series. I think Princess of Mars or something. That was mm-hmm. the book um, that is also featured. So there's a lot of of references and Easter eggs that tie directly into um, Lovecraft's stories, but also, um, again, flips it around and has uh, him dreaming of Jackie Robinson uh, defeating Cthulhu. So again, here is a Black man as, you know, this hero where normally Lovecraft will always have... um, the exact opposite mm. a lot of lovecraft stories all dealt with invasion of some type and he used a lot of monsters and aliens um alongside people of color as like the the concept of invasions of the others and mm-hmm. that you have to fight the others and so again we're flipping that around so that's, that's- that's a lot in one i think the scene that you described is no more than like a minute and a half yeah yeah yeah. and there was a lot of stuff just packed into that scene yeah what i what i love if you don't mind me interjecting here go, go ahead um what i love about the pilot episode was how it really set the tone of the Jim Crow, well, this was like, yeah, this is like the heart of Jim Crow era. So it was like yes. the 1940s-ish United yeah. States. Yes. And it wasn't in the South necessarily. Like it was a little bit like they were driving through Kentucky or what have you, but they mm-hmm. were going to the Midwest. Like, yeah, they were leaving Jim Crow South. They were leaving Jim Crow South and like traveling to the Midwest, which is where his family was. Um, mm-hmm. And and his, his family's based in uh, Chicago at this time yes and just seeing how just right on the outskirts it seemed like right on the outskirts of this town how the evil is just all around black yes like the tension throughout the entire episode was thick and it had nothing to do with the monsters and the fantasy creatures and all of that it had to do with the actual reality of black people and what they were going through. And anytime they could find little pockets of joy, his aunt and uncle snuggling in bed, um, the block party, 
uh, what that he witnessed when he got there, uh, you know, hanging out in his uncle's store, you know, getting into books, which clearly he and his uncle loved, you know, shared a love for books. I mean, mm -hmm. it's very, very relevant still to this day, though we are not in Jim Crow era now, the remnants of such still yes. remain. And so that automatically gave me a deep connection to this show, you know, without yeah. even really knowing what the crap the story was about. Um, it, it really threw you into the tension of society. It made you feel, like you said, like um, outside of their bubble, mm -hmm. of their hubs. And this is still se very segregated. Um, that It's not the South, but segregated America. Yeah. And it's during the time where segregation was more... Um, pronounced it's not pronounced but also acceptable with both communities yes. because because black communities thr uh, would thrive very well just there and they felt safe mm -hmm. and one of the themes um or one of the plot points of the first episode is uh tick going to see his uncle because his his father is missing and his uncle actually runs our um this business of the uh, guidebook for safe negro t travel which is also a march the green book yes uh, which is an actual thing and then if you don't know the green book was a guidebook to uh to all over um places all over the country as to these are places that you you can go and travel to as a black person and be safe because in between these towns, mm -hmm. there was, you know, just just them being there was a problem. Yeah. Um, which is part, and we're kind of skipping ahead just a little bit, but that's why the, um, the, the name of the episode was called Sundown, because although they weren't in the South, there was still a lot of racial tension where the North was, um, had a tendency of having these towns called Sundown Towns, mm -hmm. where if you are Black and you're caught in these towns, past sundown it gave um the um law enforcement their right they felt like it gave them their right to do whatever they needed to do to you which meant probably lynching yeah lynching you or, putting you in jail killing you know of any kind just getting rid yeah. of you and looking at you as the problem um, yeah because you did not belong there you were the other you were the invader right and so to get back to your story, to the story of this episode, when he arrives, he arrives was kind of like with haste in Chicago. And mm -hmm. he goes to his family's store uh, and storefront where they lived above the store, I, I assume, or near the store. Um, mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, uncle, um, who's played by, oh my God, Courtney B. Vance. Hello. Mm -hmm. Wonderful actor. <laughs> Married to um, old girl Angela Bassett. Oh my god, that, the vampire Angela Ugh. Bassett because she is just oh, phenomenal. Yes, you talking about powerhouse acting couple. Anyway, he gets to his uncle and he's like, "Yeah, so you 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 know you know my my dad's missing," and they're like, "Yeah, this is weird." And he pulls out this letter that he got from his dad. And he said, my dad was a lot of things, but he didn't really write like this. This just seems weird. And the letter is basically saying, come to this particular area. I can't remember the yeah, name the of the right. city. Where was it? It was um, Artem, <clears throat> Artem, Massachusetts. Right. He thought it was Arkham, which is also a nod to Lovecraft because Lovecraft um, set a lot of his stories in this fictional town called Arkham, similar to like what Stephen King does with uh -huh. a lot of his towns. Right. And so, yeah, Artem is in this um, area. Um, it, it's in this area of Massachusetts that is also known as being extremely racist and not <laughs> a very safe, it's a sundown town. Right. And this is something that his <clears throat> uncle George knows given that that's literally his business is to mm -hmm. travel to places and find out which towns are sundown towns and which aren't. Um, so he's like, we need to go there because in this letter, he's saying it has something to do with my mother and her family history and a birthright that is hidden that needs to be revealed or something like that. And it all just seems weird. Let's just go get my dad. 
right? Yeah. And um, he's been missing for about two weeks, which, you know, is abnormal for him, even though he's also known to be like the town drunk right. and all. So uh, at first it wasn't a big flag that he was missing because they just thought, you know, who knows? He just wandered off drunk. But um, it, it was suspicious, a- a- including the letter. Right. And Atticus <clears throat> is, as we also come to understand, he had that dream of being in the war. He is actually a veteran. And he's been away from his hometown for quite some time. And mm-hmm. um, we're introduced to his aunt, Hippolyta, also played by Ingenue Ellis. And Phenomenal. Sure, huh? <laughs> Phenomenal. I'm telling you, and I don't know if people really understand the powerhouse actress that Ingenue <clears throat> is, but um, y'all, listen. Just get ready because she wasn't featured too much in this episode, but she's going to be featured later in the series. I'm I heard so very excited, mm-hmm. but uh, we're introduced to her and um, his younger cousin. And then later that night, as he's going around the town asking over asking people, when was the last time you saw your dad? He meets up with a former childhood friend, uh, Letitia Lewis, also known as Letty, played by Journey Smollett. Mm-hmm. And um, she has her own little past things going too, but you know that they had a general good history with each other. Like he was considered the dorky science kid, and she was like the track star that kind of was like cool with him. And then, of course, they went away, did their thing, grew up, and now they're like coming back. And there's a teeny bit of sexual tension. Um, yeah, you can tell <laughs> yeah. immediately, but it's not you know too overt, which I like. Um, and she joins their yeah. their um, venture because she herself, she, I guess, she's kind of the black sheep of the family, um, where she, I wouldn't call her a nomad or something, but she she is not very um, stable or secure with either lodging or a job or anything. She kind of floats around right. and, and kind of bounces around to family to family to kind of help her because she is also, they, they allude that... Um, she helps out with friends that probably get arrested for um, doing other revolutionary type things, yeah. you know, protest or all of that. So she is all about um, the the adventure. She is yeah, yeah, that yeah. type of personality. And so they get in the car, him, uh, his uncle and Letty, they're in the car, they start traveling they're using the guidebook and, you know, <clears throat> trying to avoid certain towns by sundown. Unfortunately, they get into this one area where he, the the uncle said, hey, this is a town that's not a sundown town. Um, I hadn't been here in a while, but we should stop in here for lunch. And of course, they get into the town and this particular diner or hotel that they thought was there is not there. It's replaced by this other restaurant. And clearly it's run by white people because there's white folks all around the town as they're driving through. White folks staring at them like, oh my God. And then they sit down at the table inside this diner. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This scene to me and I, this was this was an early scene in the show and Mm -hmm. I felt, my my heart was racing. The whole time, yes, because so much tension, so much tension. Um, the the person behind the counter brought them some menus, but then went all the way to the back, and the restaurant was gone was, for quite a long time. Yeah, and then the restaurant was cleared out and everything, and it was because Letty went to the back to try to go to the powder room that she overheard him on the phone with police, or or maybe a mob, just saying, yeah, "Hey, the local, the local." crew yeah um yeah like they're in the uncle (laughs) was it the uncle that he noticed that they had painted over like um that there was like burn marks yeah like they had burned down whatever was that black owned area he said something's Mm -hmm. not right here like this was where this particular place used to be like this is brand new what's going on and he noticed that the tile was kind of off and under his foot and he moved his foot and there was a complete burned wood underneath. And I was like, oh my God, they ran them out of town or killed them or whatever they did. And they built over it. Yeah. And it's such a 
a callback to <clears throat> me to what we saw in Watchmen with the Tulsa um, yes. massacre and how yes. they just straight up destroyed an entire town and just took it over, you know? Yep. And unfortunately, so that he- is that is part of the history of Black people in this country. So here comes Letty running from the back saying, we got to get out of here. Yes. And they hop in the car and there's this chase because now um, when they came into town, they passed by a firehouse. And now those firemen and other in a truck Mm -hmm. um, are the people that were hanging out there. They're chasing after them basically to get them out of town, but they're shooting at them as well. And just think about that because, I mean. They're doing nothing but yeah. just being there. And, and this is um, cause for these people to shoot at them. Not just to say, hey, you need to get out of here. No, we're going to shoot yeah. you. Um, and so they're racing and racing and racing to get out. Um, and as they're racing, another car uh, that is actually about to intersect with them um, actually manages to cut cut off the, the truck that's uh, chasing them. Right. and makes the truck crash and, and everything. And you see this car, it's a silver, like a fancy silver car, a couple of times throughout the show. Um, the second watch of the episode, I've noticed it more mm-hmm. um, uh, previously from that scene than I did before. And so, of course, it, it gives you, it alludes to this little mystery of like, what's going on? Who is this person? Yeah, why and, are they following them? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, go ahead. Earlier, when Tick was... Um, um, going around asking people about like, have you seen my father? Uh, a man, uh, I guess, at the bar that his father frequents did mention a car, a fancy car that his father got into and all that. Mm-hmm. And again, here's this car again. Um, the, a lady, a blonde lady, a young blonde lady comes out of the car looking fabulous and stuff, dressed <laughs> up really nice. So again, who is this person? Right. Played by Abby Lee. And I've seen her before. I just can't recall right now what she's been in but i i remember her mm. before but um so then they they're driving along they end up staying <clears throat> at one of letty's um brother's properties uh mm-hmm. and I, that's something for me the fact that they stopped and stayed in like a, someone's family home and not a hotel or anything like that that's for me is a luxury that we as black people today take for granted in a lot of ways yes like yeah i remember hearing stories from um uh, older black people talking about he, he, here in atlanta they were like no we couldn't stay you know in hotels downtown like there were specific places that we could stay like in the west end around the atlanta university campus we would stay in, on these college campuses and dorms if we were traveling um one of the first like black hotels in Atlanta was right over there near was it Pascal's. Yeah. Near right, Pascal's was, restaurant. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's very interesting to see that because today that's like an Airbnb type situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we yeah. Could just... It's like in the segregated towns, if it was a black town, mm-hmm. then yeah, there's plenty of uh, accommodations and stuff. But in between these areas, no, it was not safe to. Yeah, you got to gotta find a black into... person willing to put y'all up in a room somewhere. <laughs> you know. Um, and, yeah. So, just one thing I did want to mention as they're before the the car chase and stuff. Uh, when they're on this road trip, there's a lot of iconic uh, iconic scenes. Um, that I love that references um, certain photographers that um, and pictures that are very famous. Uh, if anyone can remember, like the photographer Gordon Parks, yeah, and some of the images that um, are just uh, imprinted in my head. There was a scene when they were leaving a theater, and you saw um, this image of a mother and her daughter right outside the theater, and there, that's that is a classic Gordon Parks picture. Mm-hmm. Another scene is a, I, I believe it was like a um, ice cream stand, and some kids um, just waiting to get some ice cream at the stand. Another mm-hmm. Gordon Parks picture, and there was another photographer. Her name is um, Margaret um, Roberts. Was it no? Margaret Burke White, um, there was another scene where there was a line of black people, uh, women and men kind of standing, waiting 
I guess maybe it's for work and there's this big sign in front of the building that shows this white family in the car and it says something about like the great American dream. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, here's this contrast of these people that are waiting to ever have a taste of this dream and probably Mm -hmm. would never have a taste of this dream in front of them. And that's a homage to her, um, her famous picture as well. Yeah. So there's there's so much packed into this episode the music the um all these references that um tie directly into historical motifs yes. you hear baldwin speak um mm-hmm. and uh there was some other um maybe i'm thinking of episode two i think there was a nina simone oh no they played nina simone in yeah. the uh, end credits of the first episode yes yeah, yeah it was amazing um so they end up in a town close to Artem where they're trying to go. But unfortunately, when they pulled over the side of the road, they're looking for a specific bridge that is marked on mm-hmm. the map that they have. And they pull over in the wooded area. And then the police car pulls up and says, look, sun's about to go down. And, you know, the county line is however many miles away. And you better get there before sundown or I don't know what's going to happen. And he's the, so he's the sheriff of this town and they did allude to speaking about the sheriff earlier in the episode, knowing that he is like beyond racist. Like he, he's someone to really fear. Yeah. Um, And that was the person that actually approached them. And of course it was just a lot of tension because they're sitting out, just taking a break from driving. And again, just can't be, (laughs) be there. It's similar to just how, um, today black people get harassed for just standing yeah <laughs> on a corner um and so the the sheriff was kind of uh bantering a little back and forth teasing them about like oh well you know yeah you got to get out of here but you better not speed or else i'm gonna have to pull you over and right. and basically kind of um creating this almost impossible um, situation for them where he's like you need to go now but you really don't have enough time mm-hmm. so just setting it up that you know what's what he's going to try to do to them yeah again this this terrible tension of just trying to live just trying to be and that to me was the scariest thing yeah uh, you know i was just like oh my god like it, it just it it just started breaking my heart in a million pieces just like i can't believe we we know shit like this would happen we know this was happening to black people all over the country and it's still happening in many places across the country and it's just it's a lot um emotional um yeah but they do make it to the county line but they and the sheriff quote pulled back but unfortunately the next county over was also a sundown town. Yeah, was hot there. On, and my, the sundown. when you say they made it by milliseconds, they made yeah. it. That's yeah. how close it was, and how unforgiving that uh, that cop was yeah. appearing to be. But we already know he was yeah. unforgiving. Yep, and he set it up, you know, to where and they and they knew, like the the sheriff knew the next town was a sundown town too. So it was just like, uh you know, no matter what they do, they're, they're just messed up. And so of course what happens, they're, you know, taken by gunpoint into the woods, told to get on the ground and beg for their lives and the whole nine. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you start hearing these weird noises in the woods and they're like, what's Mm -hmm. going on? What's that? And these crazy looking creatures just jump out of nowhere take off one of the officer's arms, um, eats like three of the other officers that were there, and no one can believe what they're seeing. They're like, what the heck's going on? And they get up and they start running. Yeah, now we're in a situation where it's not about the the cops against... um, the crew is more like everyone save save yourselves. <laughs> yeah, like get out of here. They go to this cabin. They barricade themselves. The three black people barricade themselves in the cabin with uh, the sheriff and I guess one of the officers, like a deputy or something. Mm-hmm. And all the while, that even though it was so funny, because even though they all knew that there were some like man-eating creatures outside, the white cops were still pointing guns at them. Yeah. Like, 
like yeah you're not done with you it's like don't you see that your arm <laughs> is missing like <laughs> and mind you the sheriff was uh, like yeah his arm was pretty much mangled he yeah he, his chest was pretty scratched up he looked like death yes um and just to say that those particular creatures they're called shogoths okay um, Shoggoths, I guess, uh, which is another Lovecraft creature. And this is their, their description. Blobs covered with eyes that continually arise and dissolve back into their putrid, pulsating flesh. Ugh. They're shaped like bulldogs, more like, or, I'm sorry, more like pit bulls than protoplasm. Oh my god. That's exactly what they look like, too. <laughs> because... <laughs> I was watching it with um, Harry and he said, Kleena, what you got me watching? I said, hey, I don't know. <laughs> hey, I don't know. <laughs> because you're at one point, you're like, you you were emotionally drained just by the very real instances of just being black in a sundown town. But then you, suddenly these these characters that you've come to love and the bad guys are running from even badder guys. So you're just like, I don't know what to think. Like, this is insane. Um, but it's great because it gives you a bit of an adrenaline rush as a viewer. Um, and so you're just like, I don't know what's going to happen. And so they kind of figure out that, hey, when the light from the car was shining on them, they kind of backed away. So we will put up some flares and we need to get to the car. And then if someone can just run real quick to the car and get the car, turn on the lights and then bring the car back and we can all get in and drive away. Mm -hmm. And of course, Letty being the runner, she's, you know, voted, she offered to go run to the car and get it and all that stuff, which she does. It's a great scene with her running. Yeah. And, oh, and I was so terrified for her. I was too, but it, it's a scene that has gone viral somewhat on black Twitter and all black social media, because in all these horror movies, Whenever a black person has to run from a terrifying creature or something horrific, they end up tripping or yes. getting killed <laughs> unceremoniously. But she was booking. She didn't look back. <laughs> she didn't hesitate. She was just running. She didn't like, stop to say, what was that? Right. You know? They don't stop and say, oh, you know, they're always caught, you know, slipping somehow. But she was not going to be caught slipping. And everybody's like, you know, cheering her on and stuff. And it's, it's great. Um, great scene. And then the other guys are in, stuck in the um, cabin with the mangled up officer and the sheriff. But then the mangled up officer literally starts turning right before their eyes into one of these creatures. Yeah. They start alluding to vampires similar to if you got bit by a vampire, you will probably turn into one. And that's exactly yeah, what girl, was happening. I was that was a lot for me. I said, now that now they have one in the house. And, uh -uh. I and, saw that coming, though, because that dude looked like death. And I was like, this is not going to work out very well know, for him. I did, too. I said, Harry, why is he not dead? Something's not right. And he said, yeah, no, if I lost an arm and I, I would be one bleeding out entirely and be in shock. Yes. I couldn't be standing up talking and pointing guns at people. I said, yeah, that's something's weird here. <laughs> and sure enough, he's turning into a vampire shogun thing. Ugh. Oh but, my gosh. So but much. a lot, a lot of heart pumping drama. And they get in the car and well, she 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 crashes the car into the cabin. Right. And that's when I think um a bunch of those creatures start um Yeah, they um, swarm the cabin. Yeah, start cornering them. And then you hear this dog whistle yeah. that just has them retreat. Which Ooh, was weird. What is that? <laughs> yeah, you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, what's going on now? Who did that? Where'd that whistle come from? Yeah. And this is, this is a part that's kind of hazy to me because I, I, I didn't rewatch this part of the end. So mm -hmm. I think after they retreated, they get in the car or no, are they, are they drive they... out, they drive away and it's like morning again or something like that. Like yeah. They, it, by that time it was morning they had gotten the car. They start. They finally made it to that Artem place that they were looking yeah. for. I and thought they did. They walk or did they get in the car? And the only reason I'm asking is because they mentioned this. It goes into like episode two. Oh, I think they walked. Okay, uh, once the, the once car the, was crashed. Yeah, the car was crashed and messed up. And so they get to this. It looks like 
Professor X's bit like <laughs> house or something. Like it's a whole it's like know, greenhouse planetarium. Extra- yeah, like some type yeah. of like Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> it's an estate. Like it's a whole yes. thing. And they're just like bloodied and mangled, like, what the hell? What's going on? Is this the place? And they're greeted by this like tall ice blonde. Look like freaking Air Northman. Yeah. True blood. <laughs> really? And he's just like, hey, we've been expecting you. Freeman's welcome and blah, blah, blah. Come on in. Yes. Make yourselves at home. And that ends the first episode. Exact opposite type treatment that you've seen them get throughout the whole episode and that you would expect from a very Aryan looking white man. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, ooh, mystery. What's going to happen next? Yeah, weird, weird shit. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, when we start, do you want to go into episode two? You want to save that for another? We're going to save episode two. I mean, we're going to, we're going to record episode two. Oh, we are. But when it sets up like why this house, why are they so treated well, you know? Why, why did any of this happen? You end the episode with so many questions. So many. I personally did, could not wait for the next week. I was almost angry that I had to wait an entire week to see yeah, the next yeah. episode. Because um, we're, we're so used to like binging and Insta watching yes. and stuff. So yes. yes. And it, oh. but it did, however, create the, the, the need to, to like really want to see it next week. You yes. know what I mean? That's the thing about, the original types of um, release schedules for television mm-hmm. before we became like the binging nation that we are, mm-hmm. um, it, it created anticipation, right? It yes. created the sense of, I have something to look forward to in a week's time. And in that way, they almost really captured an audience and held their, you know, their interest with the suspense and the cliffhangers. And a lot of times with binging, yeah, there's cliffhangers and there's, stuff, but there's it's barely satiated. Cli- yeah, yeah. they're mm-hmm. barely cliffhangers now. That's that was a good point because I, I a lot of shows that I watch now that do are released like as a full series, I don't feel like they're major cliffhangers that we are used to experiencing. Yeah, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. that's what I appreciate with things like like with HBO and a lot of these premium streaming channels like Stars and and uh, things like that because um it gives you that sense of anticipation that is missing a lot from some of these um these binging shows although i have my binging shows that i will gladly binge anytime (laughs) (laughs) um but that yeah lovecraft country is absolutely a show worth watching if you're if you have access to hbo or know somebody who's willing to give you their password for the week and i want (laughs) to I want to end this particular episode um, with a quote from Tick. Um, Mm -hmm. This, he says this quote during the scene when he gets off the bus um, and is walking in with one of the, um, the other black passengers to Chicago. And to me, this really encompasses a little bit of the uncomfortable feelings of accepting H.P. Lovecraft with all his racism, but also his science fiction. So he mm-hmm. was talking to her about um, the the story he was reading, Princess of Mars, and um, about what it's about and um, describing that the main star was an ex-Confederate soldier. And she said, oh, if you're if you were ever a Confederate soldier, you're, uh, you can't really be an ex, meaning like once you are racist you can't really be an ex-racist whatever Mm. so the quote says stories are like people loving them doesn't make them perfect you just try and cherish them overlook their flaws Mm. so that that stood out to me because the question that always comes up is um with these type of things is like um can you separate the artist from the man? Mm-hmm. We've seen this in a lot of other references, freaking like R. Kelly or uh, Bill Cosby or um, um, Kevin Spacey and all that. Me, right. no, I, I can't really. <laughs> I can't because I'm like, mm. all I see is kind of what you've done and what you are. When it comes to certain topics like racism, yeah, mm-hmm. I can't. 
<laughs> it's very, very difficult for me to. Mm-hmm. And so I think the author of the original book, Lovecraft Country, took on a big mantle of of addressing as well as, like I say, celebrating the contribution of Lovecraft to the uh, the sci-fi that we love today. Yeah. And that's not a responsibility I would have taken. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'll just take another topic. But I think he does it well. And that's what has me so excited about the show and how they address it. Um, this dichotomy that doesn't seem to want to belong together. It does belong together very well. Yeah. So I'm excited. Oh, very much so. I, I am, um, I'm appreciative of all of the new black stories that are being told um, with this new class of filmmakers and uh, showrunners and writers and directors and stuff. Um, There's, there's a myriad of shows out there that are, you know, showing different sides of blackness and how we can fit into any genre and not just, you know, historical traumatic tragedies. Yes. Um, and even though this has those elements in it, it also shows us being very triumphant despite of. So I feel like while you'll feel some of those, you know, emotional um, pulls in certain scenes, you're going to be satiated later by the fact that they, you know, they do overcome it in certain ways. That's just in my opinion. Um, I know a lot of black people is specifically with what's going on now in the world with more and more um, police shootings and um, black people just going missing, black children going missing at record numbers and things going on. It's hard for us to want to see anything that has to do with black trauma, black death, black anything. But I feel like this show is so creative uh-huh. and it it treads as lightly as it can while not hiding truths about how how we have been dealt with by this society um, and still gives you that the, that fantasy and that horror element that, you know, most film cinephiles and and tv fanatics are going to be interested in so it's a great show for me i'm i'm into it me too can't oh my wait gosh. for the rest oh my god do you want to give it a popcorn rating <gasps> yes Yay! okay, okay. wait what was our rating system <laughs> so our rating was we had a small medium large popcorn with or without okay. butter okay okay small <laughs> small medium large with or without butter I'm gonna yes. go so I'm gonna rate first episode sundown the pilot episode oh I'm gonna give it a large popcorn but without butter okay only okay. because it's a pilot the pilot's not gonna be you know it should it for me the only thing I think it was missing was more ingenue. I love ingenue Ellis. (laughs) I I can't wait for her to be in more of this show. Um, Yes. So yeah, I'll get a large popcorn, no butter. Okay. I agree. And I give it the same only because I have to give it room to even get better. And I feel like it's going to just get better. Um, So I can't, I, I can't, like you said, for the pilot, I can't give it the highest, but it is a very, very fulfilling snack. Yeah, (laughs) it is. You it know, is. So I, I feel like I'm some pleased. people would probably give it a medium to a medium with butter be just yeah. because, you know, there's some haters out there. They can't help it. But, I mean, you know, um, but I, that would be an acceptable rating for me, too. Um, yeah. But, I, <laughs> but, but uh, again, like you said, you need to give it room to get better. And we've already seen episode two, so we know it already gets better Better, so much better and i would say deeper too because i was okay we'll talk about it but i was just like what the hell (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so I want to ask you before we go, uh-huh. um, we have been away for now, what, almost three years from doing Real Snobs? Uh, two, it's about two and a half. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. And uh, <laughs> I want to know what have you been watching besides, of course, our beloved Lovecraft Country? So Is there anything that stands out to you? Oh, so many, so many things. Um, so my thing is my attention span is really, really shot these days. So unless uh, a series really captures me early on, and especially I, I'm into, you know, binge worthy type shows uh, that I can just watch it as I want, um, mm. then I lose interest quickly. So definitely some of the top choices, and we may discuss a little further down the line, some of these Umbrella Academy. Oh love, my God. Love, loves the second season. Oh my God. Love it. I love the first season. Yes. All of it. I was yeah. so looking forward. I was just in, highly anticipating it to return. So it was so refreshing to me. Um, that type of energy, I will say, is the type of shows I've been watching and continue watching. Another show that I, I don't even know how to begin speaking to, but I've gotten to so many deep discussions with a friend, um, about this but the show dark on netflix it's okay that's something i haven't tried yet but i'm hearing good things about it. okay this is what i'll say about this show i think it's three seasons Mm -hmm. um don't take breaks because it's so complex it's very hard to follow Hmm. but it's even more it's harder to follow if you take breaks because the why it's complex is that they they discuss a group of people in a town over different time periods. So they use different actors, you know, like an older version, a younger version. And sometimes it's hard, you know, to follow who's who and how they're connected because everyone's connected somehow. But then that's the baseline. But then um, the show talks about time travel and stuff. So they, they do all sorts of kind of paradoxes and loops on itself. So it gets really confusing, confusing sometimes to follow who is who and why they're doing what if you take breaks. You have to kind of watch it continuously, but it's so good. Mm. So, so good. Okay. Um, so those are two I'm going to, because uh, we could talk forever about what we've been watching for the past two years. I know, I know. But oh I, my gosh, so much. Those two out there. Okay. Um, what about I'm you? Going to, so I'm going to talk, I'll do two as well. And and this is these two things are not necessarily the best of the things that I've watched in the last two years, but right now that's what's at the top of my mind that are, you know, something I want to put out there. I'm going to give one that I've really enjoyed and one that I was like, this is a waste of my time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The one thing I have watched that I really enjoy was the series on Hulu, Little Fires Everywhere. Yes, yes, I forgot about that bitch. Yeah, that was good. Girl. (laughs) That was entertaining. It really was. I was like, okay, old girl, Miss Washington, Carrie Washington, she kind of got on my nerves with Scandal. Um, So I stopped watching Scandal. Yeah, same here. But the things that got on my nerves about her and Scandal actually worked for this series, right? And yeah, she still kind of got on my nerves a little bit with the series. But that but was I'm her like, character. Like now. you, her character was such that the way she she portrayed this character, it really got into the heart of people's internal biases about people yes. like her. Yeah. And at the end, it shows you just how, just how much, just how much bias you may have when it comes to certain people that you deal with or see or know in your life that deal with those kinds of situations. Um, Reese Witherspoon, oh my God, I know she has, she and Carrie have been nominated for Emmys for their roles. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens there, but they're they're great. Those ladies are, Carrie's experience was extremely relatable uh, to yes. the average black woman where you have to kind of, it's like code switching where you have to kind of, you belong into two different worlds. Mm-hmm. And when you have children and, and whatever world that they, you know, gravitate to how you don't want necessarily your baggage or your experiences to really affect them, but you also kind of need them to recognize the reality 
of shit at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that was a good show. Very Great good. show. Um, and then the show that was a waste of my time. Um, Ooh, do tell. Do but tell. I but I watched it anyway. You know, like I was <laughs> like, why am I doing this? This is trash. But <laughs> but I'm gonna watch it. Um, was that show on Netflix? In fact, they just came out with man. You don't two. even come out with a name. You just say that show. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, it's a it's a reality show about makeup. And it oh, is called, like the make uh like it glow is up? called no, it's not glow. It's no, right glow- here. Oh. oh, damn it! What is the name of it? Glow, yeah, it is glow up, oh, yeah. glow, glow up. up or something. Uh, I didn't see it. I just kind of came across it. I was like, oh, okay, child. <laughs> don't. <laughs> I'm guessing you said, girl. <laughs> that was such a waste of time for me. Mm. I I was just like. It's a, it's a reality TV series, competition series, where they bring in, you know, several young budding makeup artists that are looking to be celebrity makeup artists in their own right. And they put them through various um, uh, different scenarios and they have to compete against each other, what have you. It's It was terrible because the challenges themselves weren't terrible, but the actual makeup artists were not good. <laughs> their makeup was terrible almost the whole show and if one person actually did something really really well it was it was clear it was plain to see but because there was competition and because there's a specific formula that these competitions follow and because they cast the judges to have their catchphrases and have their favorites and all this stuff mm-hmm. it was just it was it was tiring to see Mm. i said i don't even wear the majority of this stuff and i absolutely know that you never use feather lashes like oh you know what i mean like (laughs) stuff like that i just was i i said why am i watching this train wreck of a show you know why because of quarantine and that's quarantine (laughs) life it reminds me of uh, that other reality show that was really buzzworthy for a while, Love is Blind. Yes. Did you oh, watch that? girl. Oh, my God. We could have done a whole series about that and just talk <laughs> shit about it because that was hilariously oh, trash. of time. <laughs> but um, but I, let, me give, let me give one more shout out, though, because there's... I'm, not, I'm okay. not going to sit up here and shit on these reality competition shows because there's some great ones out there. And one mm-hmm. that I found very interesting was also on Netflix and um, it was about, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was a, a flower arrangement type competition. And really? It, yes, and it was in England. You find the most obscure? <laughs> I guess so it's my much. algorithm. Because... And to get into, like, seriously, you gotta watch. They make <laughs> flowers and it's like competitive as hell. Like, Listen, I did roses. not know <laughs> that flower arrangements and flower sculpting was a competitive thing, but they made wow. it into a competitive thing. They found people to actually judge this stuff, they found experts in this stuff. And I actually learned a few things. I said, okay, they made these big sculptures out of like, uh, vegetables and edible plants and they made another sculpture that was supposed to just be out of like air plants and then they it was really cool the competition was really good um <laughs> so yeah honorable mention of that show i wish i could remember the name but it's it's on netflix but um i really <laughs> i've been watching a lot of stuff but we can get into that in subsequent episodes i am so glad mm-hmm. to be back i'm glad to be Me talking too. about this I'm happy to hear your voice. <laughs> you know? Me too, you know? And we are, so we're kind of doing things different, a different platform. So I can't say 100% sure where all the episodes are going to be featured right now. But pretty much check out all where podcasts are featured. iTunes, Spotify, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You'll find us. We'll yeah. make it happen. Yeah, we're um, getting things back up and running Facebook and the Twitter and all that good stuff. But um, look yeah. for us. Uh, subscribe to us. Uh tweet us on instagram facebook all of that so if you if you need to know when you can get the next good real snobs episode 
just follow us. But also, we would like to hear from y'all too. You know what your feelings are about the episodes. Um, do you have things that stood out? Things that you would like us to watch? Or yeah. Questions? I don't know. But we would love a lot more feedback and kind of listener participation. So again, we're gonna we're gonna get into more details later when we kind of figure out what the hell we're doing. But <laughs> hopefully, we can have. <laughs> we can have some like, you know, um, you may be featured, uh, your comment may be featured on the episode in the future. So don't be a stranger. Yeah. Well, y'all, thanks for listening. And until uh, next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>